Good morning. Welcome to church. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to start our new sermon series. I'm sorry, let me go ahead and say this before we get started. If there's any way to just make this a little bit lower, um, I'm not used to having the feedback. So you guys, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, so I was saying I am excited to be back. I'm excited that we are beginning a new sermon series entitled Gratitude. Somebody say that with me. Say gratitude. Gratitude. And, you know, I recently attended a funeral. And as I listened and as they shared remarks about um, our loved one, as we listened and as they talked to us about the things that they had done in this life and the things that they have accomplished, I realized that I'm probably not the only one that when we mourn the life of someone who's achieved greatness in their own right and consider their achievements, that we often follow it with some introspection. We often follow it and then look inwardly to evaluate our own life and our own significance as well. It's as if the grief and the shock, the possible denial, and at times the deep sense of loss has given us a pass to slow down and consider the significance of our own experience on this side of heaven. While we wrestle with life's significance, we ask ourselves questions like, what is most important in life? How do I fully live so that I am ready to die? Will I leave behind a legacy that benefits those who I leave behind? How will I build something in this life to carry into eternal life? As humans, we often desire a life of worth and significance. It's part of our DNA. And although significance is in the eye of the beholder, if we believe our life carries a weight of goodness that benefits the world and those we love, we will desire to leave this world knowing it served a purpose. We want our lives to matter. So what makes our life significant? We know that work and play community, our home, investments, and even our service can add value to our lives, but they do not define it. Amen? Therefore, if I want my life to be significant, what underlying values or practices should I be participating in so that it is significant now and hereafter? The Bible says that the practice 
of gratitude. Somebody say gratitude. Gives us a life here and after of significance. Through gratitude, we appreciate life's goodness, which compels us to pay it forward. Gratitude creates within us a deep sense of happiness and satisfaction, which in turn enriches our relationships, nurtures the formation of new friendships, and underlies the very foundation of human society. So let's tackle this as we begin this new sermon series. What is gratitude? What is it exactly? Gratitude, for my note takers, is the practice of actively remembering and expressing the grace, the benefits we do not deserve, and goodness bestowed in our lives. Gratitude is the practice of actively remembering and expressing the grace, benefits we do not deserve, and goodness bestowed in our lives. So my first point today is that we do have an innate desire to show gratitude for the goodness and the grace we receive. We're gonna prove that to you as we look in Genesis chapter eight, as we go through verses 15 through 20 together. If you don't have a Bible, lift your hand. Someone will make sure you have one. But early in the Bible, we will see, we witness one of the first acts of gratitude through the life of Noah. Through the life of Noah. Make sure you have a Bible, CJ. We're looking at Genesis chapter 8, and we're going through verses 15 through 20. If you're there, say amen. I'm going to read it to you in the... Uh, King James Version. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee, of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of cre every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. Verse 20. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Let's look at this for a second. After being on the ark for approximately a full year, Noah walks off the boat and then builds an ark unto the Lord. 
altar, I'm sorry, unto the Lord. First thing he does, he walks off of the ark and builds an altar unto the Lord. This is Noah's first recorded act upon leaving the ark. And I submit to you, his first recorded act is one of gratitude. When listening to or reading this story told, this act of worship is very easy to gloss over. Without close reading, it appears to be a simple practice. But when you do a little bit of digging, you see that it is an extraordinary act of thankfulness. First, consider the fact that Noah had spent approximately 356 days on the ark. And as he walks off the plank, Noah makes a conscious decision that the very first thing he will do is say, thank you, Lord. God did not direct him to do so. At this time in Near Eastern civilization, God had not given commandments or statutes regarding worship. Organized religion and faith practices were still a thousand years away from formation. Noah and his family had been the only followers of God amongst a society of evil heathens. Therefore, this was a singular practice to God, not a communal practice of people. But offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving, even though it was not a social, religious, economic habit of his day, even though the worship leaders didn't ask him to stand to his feet and to lift his hands up, even though there was nobody to pump him up and to prime him up in this Near Eastern pagan society. It was offered when you saw any type of offerings. There were sacrifices that they made to appease their gods and keep them happy so that they could receive good fortune. But Noah, Noah did not offer a sacrifice out of the need to have good fortune, out of a desire to keep God happy or to appease him. He offered his sacrifice out of a heart of gratitude. His natural inclination upon leaving this ginormous wooden box was to say thank you. Now let's consider for a moment the many things Noah could have done upon leaving the ark by taking a moment to just imagine ourselves in this scenario. For a solid year, you've lived inside a dark ship, a ship drenched in stench and mess from every animal on earth. During this time, you're tossed around the world in tumultuous winds, rains, waves, and when the ark finally banks itself on a mountaintop and you can walk out into the fresh air, what do you imagine your first act in this new world will be? 
Would it be to build an altar and say, thank you? Now, I know many of you will say that that would have been the first thing you do, but it's not the first thing many of us do when we come in here. We have to have a mindset of gratitude, a mindset of worship. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We enter into his courts with praise. If the worship leader invites us to participate in song and worship, we're not there with them because we like the song. We're not there with them because it sounds so marvelous, and it does. We're there with them because we want to enter into worship. He's been so good. How dare we go to the Cavs games and jump up and scream and shout when they make a point, but when it's time to worship and shout and celebrate and glorify God. We're not interested? Is this a boring time? Do we need to get past that? We've got to have an attitude of gratitude. God, I thank you. God, I praise you. God, I magnify you. God, you've been so good. You let me see another day. You gave me the use and the activity of my limbs. I got a mouth that I can praise you. I got a voice that I can lift up praises in your name. You don't have to let a rock cry out. I will cry out because you've been so good to me. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Hallelujah. How does God respond to this act of gratitude? God, knowing Noah's heart, understanding that Noah's leaving the ship and offering a sacrifice was more than sacrifice. Turn with me in Genesis 8. I want you to look at verses 21 all the way to Genesis 9 verse 1. I want you to see how God responded to this. And the Lord smelled, thank you, minister, a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. Verse 22, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Verse 1, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the 
earth. As the aroma of Noah's sacrifice drifted up to the Lord, his heart was touched, and in turn, he said, I will never again curse the ground because of man's evil heart or kill every creature. And God blessed Noah. Blessing Noah was not a response to anything Noah had earned. His blessing was not because he was a stellar captain of his ship who kept the morale of his crew in high spirits. His blessing was not for having completed the ark by God's building cold. Nor was it a reward for his exceptional care of God's last remaining creatures on earth. Noah's blessing was not a response to his obedience, although blessings do come from choosing obedience. In this story, we learn Noah received his blessing because he chose to worship, which pleased the Lord. That's why we call it the sacrifice of praise, because we may not always feel like doing it, but it's a sacrifice. We lay it before God. We don't have to go get any animals, but we could at least just give them the sacrifice of our praise. His heart was thankful, and Noah's emotion overflowed into an act of gratitude, an offering. It was an overflow. It was a natural instinct. Nobody had to beg him to do it. Nobody had to command him to do it. Nobody had to tell him to do it. It was a natural instinct of the gratitude. Now let that marinate for a moment. What will our lives look like? How will we worship God? How will we exalt him? How will we express our gratefulness, our gratitude, our thankfulness, our appreciation without being told to do it? The next point we have for you is we're gonna look a little bit more into the Latin and the Greek words and we're gonna go a little deeper. And I want you to stay with me because this may not be as exciting but this is gonna be very revelational. The English word gratitude stems from the Latin word gratia, which means to give thanks. Now, the Bible takes this one word definition further. In the Bible, gratitude is the word eucharistia, which stems from the word haris, which means grace. Grace, a favor, an act of goodwill and loving kindness for which we do not deserve. See, that's the piece I think we got to make sure we keep in mind. We do not deserve. Because we live in a very entitled society where we all feel like we're just entitled to it. You owe it to me. 
And when we begin to look at things in the correct perspective, that we're not entitled to anything that God has done, it is an act of grace. Eucharistia is an offering of thanks out of the abundance of grace shown to us. It is to give thanks to the Lord with pleasure and delight because we have received delight and pleasure from his grace. Eucharistia is not a horizontal practice. It is not a give and take to and from. Grace does not travel one way and come back again. Eucharistia is reciprocal. It is a cycle of giving and receiving all at the same time. It is grace abounding. The Bible tells us that God does not desire sacrifice for sacrifice sake, but he delights in our expression, our declared praise and adoration, which is an outward expression of what is in our hearts. God brought back to my remembrance, I was out to lunch one day with Leah, and you know, I've been a mom for 20 something years now, and so there's a, a regular practice of the way things go. You provide for your kids, you take them places, you feed them, that's how it goes. And so for years, we've been doing that. We go out to eat, the bill comes, they hand it to me, they hand it to dad, we take care of it, and that's the end of it. I was sitting at lunch, and when I asked the waiter for the check, much to my surprise, I said, oh, that's been taken care of. And I said, who took care of it? And I was like, your daughter. Now, she had done this in secret because she knew we would have been fighting for the check if I had known that she was going to try to do that. But she had paid for our meal, and it shocked me because she don't have that much money to begin with. And it was a sacrifice that it wasn't for the sake of I just wanted her to give up her little money. But that fact that she chose to do so voluntarily without being asked to do so, it made my heart feel so warm and I felt so grateful and I was so appreciative. And it began to remind me that when I am serving God, and he doesn't have to ask me, beat me up, knock me over the head, stick me in the, welly, the, the belly of a whale for a few days until I get my act together. If he could just, out of my act of gratitude because I love him, because I appreciate him, if I could just do the things that would make him happy, that would make his name great here on this earth, that when people would see it and they would notice it and they would be like, wow, that's an amazing thing. And you say, glory to God. God put it on my heart to do that. And you give him the praise and you give him the honor and you give him the credit. By choosing to practice this gratitude, we choose the grace that God has freely offered us and offer it freely back to him and others. And others. 
and others that can do nothing else for us. See, we know how to do something if it's like a possibility that it could come back around. I'm gonna do this for you, but you know I'm gonna be circling back in a couple weeks because I'm gonna need a favor from you too. I'm talking about, again, unmerited, undeserved, not thinking about it coming back around, not thinking about you're gonna do something for me, you're gonna owe me one later, but just because God has made it possible that you can do it and you wanna be a blessing. It's so simple. I, I remember when our evangelism team went to Starbucks and they were blessing people with coffee. And people were going on there. Most of the people they were blessing were on their way to church. They were up that early on Sunday because they were headed to church. And they just couldn't believe it. They just couldn't understand, like, what's the catch? You're just paying for my coffee and you don't want anything in return? No, we don't want anything in return. God bless you. Have a beautiful day. The joy that it brought, not only those who were giving, but those who were in line and receiving was absolutely astounding. And then when we were able to say, oh yeah, this was covered and paid for by Excel Church. We just wanted to share the love of Jesus today. It is important to note that the gratitude we are talking about is much more than a thank you. Practicing Eucharistia flows out of a sentiment of thankfulness. The gratitude for God's grace is more than a mere recognition of God's grace, but a felt response which intrinsically demands that we express a response. I had a story I wanted to share with you, but in the interest of time, I'm gonna to try to consolidate it. It was about an article I had read about a police officer who was responding to a man who was threatening to commit suicide, and he was jumping off the top of a building. But when the officer arrived at the scene, the man on the ledge uttered as he positioned himself, perched to jump, no one loves me. No one cares if I die. No one will miss me. And as the story went on, everyone was trying to get him to get down. And it seemed like the more that the other officers and the other people were talking to him, um, the closer he was getting to jumping. And at that moment, this one particular officer realized that the situation was getting worse and not better and that this man was going to jump. And as he witnessed his pain, this officer said, don't jump, I love you. You are loved. You are not alone. And someone cares for you, I care for you. Now you can Google this story and you will see this. The officer says repeatedly, um, I care for you, I love you. And so the surrounding officers, they, they testified that these words brought this man out of a trance. And he not only came down off of the ledge, but he fell into this officer's arms sobbing. 
and he held him and he embraced him and he continued to say to him, I love you. I love you. Now we as Christians understand because people were perplexed, how do you profess to love somebody that you never saw before three seconds ago? How do you profess to love somebody who's done nothing for you, who you're not related to, who you're not in a relationship, you're not getting something from them? See, that's how we get to defining love nowadays. But he expressed that I just felt I loved him even though I did not know him, and it broke my heart to see him feel so unloved because I am loved. I knew I loved him. See, because we are loved. Because the Father loves us. Because we know what it feels like to be cared for. We know what it feels like to have unconditional love. We know what it feels like to mess up and to not be everything that we meant to be in and to not make the decisions we were intending to make and to not be good enough, but to still somehow in spite of our flaws, in spite of our sins, in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our, flaw, our faults, in spite of all of that, we have a Father that still loves us. So out of that ought to be some type of reciprocation that not only do we love God, but then we then care for those that God cares for that don't know that God cares for them. We can be the one to show them the love of God. This is God's grace poured out in an expression of love. When we receive God's grace in our life, we want naturally to express it. We do not know always how it's going to come out, how it's going to be used, where it will go, but when this grace is received, it desires to be expressed. Final point for this morning. It's easy to recognize God's grace in our life when life's greater needs are met or when we are the recipient of unmerited generosity. Children are a perfect example of this. As parents, most of you know, one of our biggest tasks is to raise polite and emotionally aware children who say what? Thank you. As parents, our greatest nightmare is when someone is generous to our child and they snatch it and walk off. Our first inclination is, did you say thank you? <laughs> 